episode 219. Bonus edition, interview with Lindsay Howe. I'm Angela Kelly Robeck, host of the Empowered Principal Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Welcome to the Always a Lesson summer interview series. I've asked some very special guests to bring their wisdom to you all throughout May, June, July, and August. Connecting you with other elite educators is one of my favorite parts of this job as a teacher leader and podcaster. The insight that you are going to gain from these conversations is going to prepare you to hit the ground running during the back-to-school season, but more importantly, it is going to reignite your passion and your potential as an educator. Are you ready to level up what you bring to the table and how you serve those you lead? Then buckle up and let's go. Lindsay is currently a first-year pre-K to 5 assistant principal and instructional coach for three elementary schools in Massachusetts. I have never heard of this combination of job titles, but it is what makes her so unique and gives her the best perspective on how to lead teachers. She taught third through fifth grade when she was in the classroom, and Lindsay's just an avid believer that all students deserve the best and that they are capable of learning at high levels. She spends the majority of her time pushing the educational envelope by encouraging teachers to learn and understand best practices in education and ditching those practices that really don't serve kids. And I can attest after chatting with her and following her for a while on social media, she means every bit of that. And in her spare time, Lindsay enjoys working out, relaxing on the beach, and devouring the best PD books. And she does, and I love her recommendations. So let's jump into the conversation with Lindsay. Well, hey, Lindsay. Thanks for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Hey, Gretchen. Thank you so much for having me tonight. I'm excited to dive in. We've already kind of been chatting on the front end of the call about what we want to cover for teachers to make sure this episode is super impactful. So I'm going to dive right in if you don't mind. Absolutely. Go for it. Okay. So let's just set the stage. Tell everyone how our two paths crossed. Sure. So Gretchen and I have actually been following each other on Instagram for who knows how long now, Um, but I I followed Gretchen because of her coaching side. Um, Part of my current role is a coaching position, and I found her very genuine on Instagram. We just hit it off, so I try to follow people who I think are really authentic and show them true selves as an educator, so that's how we found each other. Yeah, I absolutely love social media for the fact that I can expand my PLN, my professional learning network, because I was in a situation in my school where I was around a lot of negative people. They were kind of clocking in, clocking out, and that just wasn't my vibe. I wanted to learn. I wanted to grow. I was on fire for education, and I wanted to find other people 
who were like that. And thank goodness to Twitter chats. And now I'm falling in love with Instagram stories. Like you said, it's like the personal side of somebody and you can read their credentials underneath their photo and like, okay, this person does this grade level or this leadership position. I want to follow them. But it isn't until you watch their life that you're like, okay, wait a minute. I actually really like this person and can learn from this person. So Instagram has been my new hangout spot to kind of find some other leaders to follow. And I have loved watching the diversity of things that you talk about. I know you're really passionate about working out and about doing a great job in education and really balancing your life and your cute animals. And it's just fun to (laughs) see that side of it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Speaking of leadership, I know you didn't just jump into this position. So start from the beginning. Walk us through what did you teach before? What made you want to go into leadership? And what are you doing now? Sure. So I started off as a third grade teacher, uh, moved around a little bit, and I taught fifth grade and then landed in fourth grade for a few years. And I absolutely adored my fourth graders. I will always have a special place in my heart that grade level is just my people. (laughs) Um, But I was always a teacher leader, and I knew that I wanted to go into leadership People always kept telling me, like, Lindsay, you're too young. You know, you should get a master's in curriculum first. You should do something else. And there was something inside me that said no. Like, I knew I wanted to be in leadership, so I went for it, got my degree in educational leadership. And this past year, I applied for multiple assistant principal roles, and I landed in one that I actually split my time between three schools. And at one of the schools, I'm a part-time instructional coach on top of that. So it's been a really interesting year. But I have to say, I feel super privileged to be in a unique position because I work with uh, thousands of students and also hundreds of educators. And I feel like I've really grown this year as a leader in that position. And it will eventually lead to me being a principal in the next few years or so. Yeah. And I love that you talk about this is a unique role because never in my life have I heard of someone being on multiple campuses as an AP and in addition to an AP as a coach, because those are humongous responsibilities. So tell me why your district does it this way or why these schools are split up in that fashion. Sure. So definitely partly because of budgetary reasons. And I think in the next few years, we'll hopefully onboard at least one or two more assistant principals at the elementary level, but they've had it this way actually for the last 11 years. Uh, It's worked out. Yep. Which is crazy. I know. Um, But it's worked out pretty well that I'm kind of like the middleman in many situations that I'm the messenger between different principles of things that um, need to be communicated, get done, can kind of align things across the district. So I do think that having me in multiple schools has benefited the leadership team. Mm. Um, and it, it also, like, I couldn't ask for a better year position for my first year because I get to have all these mentors. I have three principals I see every week that I work with. I think that's a, that's a good point. When I was coaching for just new teachers, K-12, I went on multiple campuses, just like you said. And the benefit of that is learning from all these different leadership types. And it helps you decide what kind of leader do you want to be? How do you thrive under leadership? And it really makes you more aware of what you need to do for your teachers to be the kind of leader that they can learn and grow from. So I certainly can understand that. I know one of the pushbacks to that 
uh, organizational system, though, is you have to keep things straight of this is this school, this is how this happens over here, and then the cultures are a little different. So how are you balancing being able to, like I said, stay organized, but also assimilate into each of these different places? Yes, organization's like huge for me, and luckily I'm a pretty type A person. <laughs> uh, so every school has its own color, and on my Google Calendar, I keep a calendar by those colors, and then I, I have a folder both in my Drive, but also in my Gmail that I organize by each school. Um, it has subgroups for parent communication, whether it's a curricular area, I try to just make sure that I'm keeping things organized that way so I can go back and reference it. But I also, I find that what the last thing you said, trying to keep the culture and my thoughts about each school kind of separate because it's important that I go in with fresh eyes every day knowing it's a different school and not try to compare the schools, which is hard sometimes. But I think that in order to be fair to teachers, I I try to, I do actually journal in the morning that really helps. I do a brain dump. So if there's something that's bothered me from the day before or I want to leave at the other school uh, figuratively, I write that down before I start the day at the new school. Okay. I think that's a, a strong habit to have, just controlling how, what you focus on and how you see the day really shifts that perspective. In the one school that you are admin slash coach, what does that look like for like your daily tasks? Yeah, so that changes too because I am I'm a strong believer that you shouldn't be evaluating who you're coaching because I think that that uh, relationship role is different. So I, I don't evaluate those teachers. I evaluate the opposite. So I'm the coach for four grade level teams. Um, and then I evaluate the other teams or special ed teachers, which is kind of nice. It doesn't mix the two. Right. Uh, it is something that our district is hoping to get an attention coach, but it's partly because of the funding. It's a, not a Title I school. Yeah. So I do think that I love being able to go back into the classroom as an instructional leader and using things from my experience to share with teachers, uh, especially like social-emotional learning helping them with new curriculum. I, it kind of keeps me closer to teachers, if that makes sense, yeah. that I, I feel like I still know what they're doing and I'm not only doing the managerial, logistical side of the job. Yeah, I can understand that 100%. Did the admin team tell you which grade levels are your focus that they want you to evaluate, like a testing grade, and then here are your options to coach? Sort of, yes. I Because of my three, four, five experience, I do third, fourth, and fifth. And then I also do kindergarten, which has been hu drastically different for me, not having experience in primary grades. So yeah. most of my uh, reading this year has been about early literacy, purposeful play, trying to really understand the kindergarten brain and classroom and what it might look like. It is such a different game. I say this all the time when people are like, oh, elementary teachers, y'all are the same. No, we are not. There are K2 <laughs> teachers and there are 3-5 teachers. We are a different breed. Some are like really cutesy and colorful and just really like um, 
create that homey feel and have that nurture side and they're great for K2. And then there's those of us who uh, deal with the older kids and the sarcasm and have a lot of interdependence. And that's like the three, five mindset, especially with the testing and like all the pressure. So it's a different vibe requires completely different skill sets. And I know for sure I'm a three, five, like I taught second and I thought that was okay, but I absolutely would not do well going lower. Not that I couldn't do it, but I just think I'm, that's not my strength. Exactly. I always say it takes a very special person to teach kindergarten. They have to have all the patience in the world. <laughs> they sure are cute though. <laughs> they are. Um, okay. So I just want to ask one more thing. It's just selfish question for, for me. So when you were interviewing for principal positions and, and coaching roles, why do you think this school ended up choosing you or why did you think it was a great fit for yourself? Great question. Um, I like interviewing, which sounds wild, <laughs> but I think that it's a time that you can just share your authentic self. Like if you are truly passionate about education and you have a vision for where you want to go, I feel like that's the time you finally get to talk to someone about it without people thinking that you're crazy. So I think that I really just capitalized on the things in education that have made me grow, who have made me me. Um, I love students with behavioral challenges. Um, I like being able to feel like I've made an impact on different like pockets within a school. Mm -hmm. um, and I also have built a lot of relationships with teachers that I was able to talk and share about. I think that the balance of being a strong colleague, but also holding each other accountable, um, that, that line is something I shared quite a bit in interviews. Um, and I did, I've been posting a lot of my Instagram lately about setting yourself up for success in interviews. And I have collected materials over the years for a portfolio that I brought with me, with me to all my interviews. And it just showed and highlighted what I believed was the best side of me as a teacher. Um, and one thing I highly, highly recommend is collecting feedback from number one, your students. We don't ask them enough for feedback about ourselves as teachers. And number two, from families in your classroom. So every year at the end of the year, I would ask families to fill out a Google form anonymously about um, the year together, but also if they were willing to write a paragraph about me as a teacher that I, I kind of just kept them all in a folder. And when I need them, I put them into the portfolio. And I think that spoke a lot about me as a teacher, educator, but like overall as a human, they talked a lot about the traits that I shared with students, um, like the loving, passionate, caring side. Hey, y'all, I just want to take a quick second to let you know support for this episode is brought to you by PowerSchool. They know teachers go above and beyond for students, but teachers need help too, especially as they're asked to do more every day. And that's why PowerSchool, now with Schoology, combines SIS, LMS, and assessment technology, empowering teachers with more time for what really matters. Visit www.powerschool.com slash time for teachers to find out how teachers are using technology to unlock student success. PowerSchool, time for teachers. I think that's a valid point about parent opinion. Uh, I've never even considered getting their feedback or just their two cents and including it in opportunity like this because this is a third party. They care so much for 
um, their child's well-being and to be able to say and highlight things about you that help their child succeed speaks volumes rather than you just saying, this is what I think about myself or this is what the student said. It's like, wow, here's this intelligent adult who is able to see things from multiple perspectives, has life experience, and they also are saying this about me. I can imagine that that spoke volumes. So I can I can definitely see why they thought the world of you and wanted to hire you. Is there something about this opportunity that you thought, okay, this is the the schools for me and I want to take this opportunity rather than continue to look? So it, of course it was a crazy timeline where, you know, I had got a verbal offer from the district I'm currently in. I was a finalist in two other districts. So you know, you figure out how to juggle and balance that timing. So what I had asked the district to do was I, I basically told them I wanted to interview them. And I asked if I could come for a site visit to really sense the culture of the school. So the site site visit was what kind of convinced me and made me feel like, okay, this is a place that I, you know, could fit in. I feel like I could, I could impact. They told me about some of the district long range plans, um, short range, like they were adopting a new math curriculum, something I was interested in helping with. Uh, a lot of the people that I had met that day seemed very encouraging and friendly. So actually going to the school and seeing what was happening definitely was a selling point for me. Yeah, like we were talking about Instagram, you get to see what things are really like with Instagram stories. And this is the same thing. You're seeing it live. You're not just hearing their mission statement or whatever they want to share about their school. You're really getting to experience it firsthand. And there's three things that I think are so solid for how you approach this is you put together that glow file of just all these things that were your best of the best way to showcase your, all your skill sets and your strengths. And then when you went into the interview, you were able to weave in stories or examples into your answers. And then third, you followed up to say, I want to make sure this is a good fit for me, which is not selfish. It's it's something a lot of maybe teachers or those wanting to be leaders don't take advantage of often enough because they feel like they don't have a say-so in the relationship. But if you're going to be working very closely with folks at the school, you want to make sure they're a good fit for you and where you want to grow and how you want to grow. And again, we were talking a little bit earlier about leadership styles and is that the person you can see yourself learning from? So I applaud you on those, those three techniques that you used. And like you were mentioning on Instagram, you're sharing right now lots of tips for interviewing. I know you've even said, hey, send me questions you have or resumes if you want me to look at it. So you're so helpful in helping folks set themselves up for success. So I just thank you for being a, such a giver and sharing everything that you've learned along the way. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. What would you say is the best lesson that you've learned either as a teacher in a classroom, as a coach going into those few classrooms that you're coaching in, or just as an administrator? Best lesson I ever learned. I can actually remember the exact conversation. It was about two years ago when I was doing my administrative practicum and I've taken it forward since. And it was when a mentor told me that I need to listen more than I speak. Mm -hmm. So I am an extrovert. I'm an Enneagram three. I like to have conversations. And um, like if you, you asked any of my neighbors when I was younger, I was, you know, the bossy little girl going around <laughs> the neighborhood telling people what to do. Um, so I think now taking the time to really listen to what people are saying, 
understanding different perspectives while I'm listening to that. It's easy to go back to your own teaching role as an administrator and say, well, I didn't do it that way. But you, you can't do that. You have to understand that teachers all have their own styles. They all have their own approaches to everything and listening more than I'm speaking and in the instructional coach role as well um, has allowed me to help teachers get what they want, I think, more effectively um, and give, gives me time to process certain things before just rattling back an answer, especially if it's a hard conversation that I might, I feel more confident now to say, you know, I'm not quite sure the answer with that yet, but I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, I want to unpack this and go a little deeper because I think a lot of us might say to ourselves, yeah, I listen, or I'm a great listener, but there are actually techniques you can use while you're listening to force yourself to actually listen and not be thinking about what am I going to say? What is my answer to what they're saying? What assumptions am I making? And like you said, just take a second to really process and make sure that when you respond, it's what you want to say and not just, you know, jumping the gun. So what techniques do you find yourself doing when you're focused on being a better listener? So I used to very quickly want to like scribble down notes or, you know, uh, I've designated a note taker since then, <laughs> especially when faci facilitating a meeting. Um, I try to sometimes repeat it back in my head or I'll repeat it back out loud and use some of those talk techniques saying, so what I heard you say, or so my understanding is this, is that to clarify, is that what you actually meant? Um, and I also try to apply it to the classroom itself. I think that as teachers, we talk a lot to students and I'm a big believer that students should be leading conversations. So I try to show how that might look in the classroom as well as in a, in a meeting for teachers um, so that students understand that they should be responding to someone else before selfishly sharing something and trying to keep it in the forefront for teachers and students. That's great. I know you're in tons of classrooms, three school buildings in your district. So if you were to say, like, these characteristics are what make an educator great, what would you say those things are? Oh, that's a great one. I think a great educator is, number one, someone who takes the time to build relationships. I think if you don't have relationships in the classroom with students and a pair of whoever is working in your room, um, nothing else can get done effectively. I, the classrooms that I go in where you can tell the teacher genuinely cares and knows things about students, the environment feels different. Kids want to be there. You can tell that they're eager to learn. And I think when you go in, the learning is fun. I, the number one indicator, when I walk into a classroom and all the kids turn to me and say, Miss Howe, Miss Howe, well, that's great that I feel like I have a little celebrity status for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I want to walk into a classroom and no one to notice I'm there. I really want them to be so engaged in what they're doing that they they don't recognize any change in the classroom. Um, and I, I think that the educators who work to make themselves better every day also are the ones who are go from good to great. Would you say by themselves or do you mean they are – pouring into PD sessions or what do you mean in terms of their own growth there? I think it looks different for all teachers, whether it be like you mentioned in the beginning, they're 
they're listening to podcasts, they're reading books, but also the ones that are brave enough to look to a colleague at a PLC and say, hey, that math lesson did not go well this week. What did you do? Or do you have certain books that you would recommend and are willing to take risks and uh, admit growth areas? I think that that speaks volumes of an educator. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. And I want to push you a little bit more for all your continued advice. This has been so helpful so far. But we've got what I call them buckets. I could use a better word. But a different variety of teachers that listen to this podcast. We've got new teachers, some teachers that are in transition, maybe different grade level, different school. Maybe they're leaving education altogether. Uh, Teachers in distress. Maybe things aren't going well, especially right now with the coronavirus Um, And then teacher leaders like you and I. So if you were to pick one of those to speak directly to, give a really honed in piece of advice to be successful, who would you pick and then what would you tell them? I would probably pick the distressed teachers. And I picked that bucket because I've seen it happen and I continue to see it happen that teachers are burning out and plates are so full and and I understand that. And that's something that I always, always, always want to remember as a administrator, how tough it is to be a teacher. Um, And I would tell them and really emphasize to get into a routine that works for them. And the routine is going to look different, but I can't tell you how much of an impact my daily routine has on my energy, my attitude, Um, people ask like, well, how do you have that much time for everything? I don't, I make the time for it. But when I make time for myself working out, reading a book, um, unplugging, I am so much better as a leader. And there's a quote or a little meme going around and it's don't just fill your cup, your coffee cup, whatever it should be. You want it to overflow so you can also give to others. Mm. So I think it's important that we we are able to do both. If I'm only filling my own, there's nothing left to give. So definitely finding a routine that works for you and makes you brings you joy. Yeah, and I think that helps you get out of the rut. Like sometimes you're so deep in it. And woe is me, woe is me. How could I ever give to someone else right now? I can only think about me. But that's what helps you get over that hurdle. It feels so good sometimes to help somebody else. Or like you said, just do something that brings you complete joy, favorite drink, favorite food, favorite friend, you know, favorite show, whatever it is to get yourself back on track. So I think that definitely speaks to what a lot of teachers are facing right now. Exactly. And and a huge part of it's about the perspective too. You just made me think like I, I still have my job right now. And I'm so grateful for that during this time. And I keep trying to put that back into perspective when I have 50 emails in my inbox. Like, I get to do this job. I still get to be paid. I should be really grateful for that every day. Yeah, I chose to do this job. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So you spend a lot of your time being a mentor to other people. But like we just said, sometimes we got to flip the script. So who do you go to 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 mentor you or to continue to learn and grow? Is there one specific person or do you have a bunch of people that you go to? So that was actually one of my questions when I was interviewing too, because I wanted to know who am I going to lean on on this leadership team? How to, how does that work? What was the construct for it? So there's one principle in particular that I work with that I see as a mentor and I tell her every single day how grateful I am that she gives me the opportunities She is a leader that is not just like watch me and 
I hope you get it, Lindsay. She asked, like, would you like to come down and do an evaluation with me? We can compare notes together. She asked if I would like to run my first 504 meeting, whatever it should be. Um, that she knows is something that I'm learning and growing in. She provides those opportunities and models it for me, just like we would want a teacher to do for students. Um, And I also am blessed that my actual mentor from the district is our curriculum director. Mm -hmm. And he's constantly providing opportunities as well for me to understand new budget systems, to be part of curricular experiences. And I think someone who opens the door for you is a mentor that you know you'll never have enough thanks for because they they want you to become better and want bigger better things for you and I need to surround myself with people like that sometimes I um, you know they say you want to be around the the five people that you're around the most Um, and a lot of times those little ones so the leaders I'm around I really look towards to make me a better person too yeah I, I like that you've got one mentor in the building and one that's outside, I think that gives you different perspective. Um, they obviously have different backgrounds of why they chose their different roles in education. I 100% can relate to your principal that's like, here, let's do this. Just jump in. Like, l- Let me hold your hand and do this with you because one of my leaders was like that. And they actually helped me decide that coaching was more of the impact I wanted to have than the admin role. And had it not been for her saying, come shadow me for a day. I'll get someone to cover your class. I would have never known that. And she was always... Like, hey, I have to give this to the staff for a subject or a professional development session. You want to run it? I'm like, yeah. You know, and so it's like <laughs> those people that are willing, once they know what your goals are and where you're wanting to go, that they can say, hey, I think this is great for you. And it makes me think, like teachers in a classroom, you want your students to have that ownership, that accountability. And the only way for them to grow is like guided practice and then into the independent practice and then taking control of some of the routines and the procedures because we as teachers don't have to lead everything. And in doing that, passing that ownership baton, they become stronger learners and stronger people. So why would we not apply that same logic to the way that we lead other people? And sometimes we don't. Like you said, it's it's watch me. Let me model this for you rather than okay, let's do this together. Or do you think you're ready? Are are you up for the challenge? Here's this opportunity. Do you want to take it? And just like you said, you never forget those people because they truly set you up for success. They let you practice before it really counts. And it's like you're in debt to them forever. And I feel the same way about that one leader. And it's a good reminder for all of us who are leaders right now to say, how can I do more of that for the people I lead? How can I build capacity within all the talent that I have so that they can go and become better? And how can I use their strengths to make this even better? Like just because you're the leader, you don't have to be the all talent, all knowledge, all everything. I mean, use what you got. So I just really resonated with what you said there. So thanks so much. Of course. And I know that we were just talking about learning and growing and education, especially now, is like changing like crazy. So Mm -hmm. how do you stay up to date? I know you said one of your mentors is the curriculum develop. um, What was the title of him? Curriculum specialist? Yeah, the uh, director of curriculum and instruction. There we go. So I'm sure that they are, you know, so up to date on what's coming down the pike. But how else do you connect and make sure you know, you know, what's current best practices or what do we need to be looking towards now? So I love Twitter chats, similar to you. I do a Twitter chat on Monday nights that is with a bunch of assistant principals, and we also have a Voxer group that 
like a walkie-talkie app that we can talk to each other during the week. Like I know Teacher Appreciation Week is coming up in a week and a half, and we've been brainstorming ways that we can appreciate teachers virtually. So that's something you know I probably would have struggled independently doing, but now I have hundreds of other assistant principals giving me other ideas. Um, I also love PD books. I get some ideas from the main idea that's sent to me via email and the Marshall memo I've been a huge fan of for years. I, I always just try to ask other educators. And like you said, Instagram is a huge place that I see someone post a book or, you know, uh, my favorite principal leaders post something about a new exciting uh, retreat or conference that they're having. And I, I'm always researching, figuring out what what's happening next. What are they presenting about? Is anyone going to be nearby in Massachusetts? Or can I fly somewhere <laughs> on a on a dime or on a quick budget? Yeah, you are definitely a go-getter. You are someone that no one ever has to worry about you being on it, on top of it, you know, learning and growing and bringing that back. And that's definitely quite an asset to bring to the team. And I love Twitter chats for that exact reason, to expand that PLN, to find people that are not in your current district or state who are, you know, facing similar yet different challenges. And I love hearing how their schools are set up and what they're focusing on and how their district operates. And it's just so interesting. And they kind of become some of your closest friends, as weird as that Mm -hmm. is to say when you've never met them. Um, Give a quick shout out to the chat that you go into. What is it called? Uh, elementary AP network, but it's E-L-E-M on Twitter. Okay, perfect. So in case someone wants to try that out on Monday nights and you can lurk, you don't have to jump in if you're nervous about a Twitter chat. Um, I'll even link in the show notes, Twitter chat, how to is just a little blog post in case someone's never done it before. It's so fun. So great. And you mentioned Voxar, which is like my obsession because (laughs) it's so easy on the go. And sometimes I find myself needing to talk things through either with the teachers I'm leading or with someone who's leading me and just writing that all out takes a long time. And and it's so great to hear each other's voices, especially when you're working now remotely. Uh, So I love Voxar. I'm so glad to hear that. That's one of your favorite tools to chat with your other admin friends. But I also want to give a shout out to, I think you're such a great book advocate. That's why one of the things I love watching on your stories is what is she reading now? And you always give a quick, like, here's why I'm reading it, or here's what I'm looking to learn so that it's not just a quick rundown on what the book is. It's so interesting, like why people pick the things they do and what they're working on. So I so appreciate that about you. Oh, thank you. I enjoy reading them too. <laughs> what would you say is like a current project that you're working on right now? I know you're you're gearing up in your leadership and you've got a lot on your plate, so it might just be trying to find your flow. But is there something right now that you're tackling and that you're really proud of that you want to chat about? So I was voluntold <laughs> slash asked to um, – run a few courses this spring for teachers while they're home if they would like the professional development opportunity. Um, and I love doing that. Uh, I'm doing one on technology, basically all things Google, especially I've seen a huge need to build some more competency for some educators during this remote learning time. Yeah. Um, it's It was kind of shocking that we reflected on like, okay, we haven't given PD, haven't given PD on emails before or organizing your drive. And during this time, teachers who were already struggling with that started to panic. And I was like, oh, I need to help you out. So I'm offering a Google course 
And my second heart, um, like I mentioned before, is helping students with behavioral challenges. So I am offering a course that focuses on building connections and understanding positive reinforcements for students, whether that's in feedback or in like an RTI model. Um, But I'm really looking to change some of the dialogue that I see between teachers and students. That's one of my current projects that I'm hoping spans through next year as well. That is really interesting. What kind of uh, setup are you going to do? Is it just going to be like a PowerPoint and you chatting or is it going to be you demoing or what are you thinking? So we have EduPlanet, which is similar to like a Moodle or Canvas Mm -hmm. platform. So the course is built within there. And then I offer webinars every few weeks that teachers can register for through a Google form. They hop on, um, they can earn PDPs joining webinars with me through through those. So it's oh, kind of, awesome. I like that they can pick and choose too. It gives them a little more flexibility. Yeah. And I'm sure people are going to, especially right now, I know people feel like a little overwhelmed, but you're saving some time on the commute end of things. And if they can just plug in real quick and watch and learn, and like you said, earn credits, like, wow, such a win-win. Exactly. Yep. One thing I like to do with guests is allow them to brag a bit. It it might be a little embarrassing, but the reason I do it is I think it's important for us to share ideas, to beg, borrow, and steal. So I (laughs) want you to share kind of your best all-star teacher moment. If you want it to be a leadership moment, I'm totally fine with that. But something that someone could listen to and say, oh, I could see that working at my school. I want to tweak it to, to fit my needs. So what would that be for you? Oh, that's such a hard question. I'm sorry. I, so it's going to sound silly, but I think of, I am not a crier or an emotional person. And I always told my students, and they quickly figured this out, that if they got me to cry, that it was like (laughs) the best, most amazing work or growth ever. And I remember a few times like picking up a student's notebook and someone who would write one sentence at the beginning of the year, just wrote three pages and used proper punctuation, whatever it should be. And I would start getting teary eyed and the whole class would look and say, this house crying, this house crying. <laughs> and those moments I think uh, are my happy moments. I you know, I've wrote down, I keep in a, a happy folder. Um, but I think about test scores, which I am not a believer that tests define students whatsoever. I'm not someone who thinks that you need to do, you know, kill and drill test prep. But I remember getting my scores back from my class two years ago. And I like lost it because students who were the most struggling, um, challenging students made the highest growth in almost the whole state. And for a student to go from being in the first percentile to the 90th, 96th percentile, I think just by our classroom being the environment it was and them knowing that going back to it, they knew I cared. So they put in a hundred percent and it showed, I think that's what we want for every child and every educator to feel makes me like teary eyed to feel like, you know, they're not killing themselves to just for the it's MCAS in Massachusetts, but that it comes naturally because the kids are working so hard and it becomes a, a joint effort opposed to, Um, teacher against student or just feeling like you're stuck in that rut like we had said earlier yeah I think that 
super relatable. And I was laughing not at the fact that they were trying to get you to cry and for you to have an emotional reaction, but that was how I felt about my dad. He's just so stoic. And if I could get him to cry, it was like, yes, his accomplishment. And (laughs) on my wedding day, you did. And I just felt so proud. And everyone probably thought I was crazy. So I know what you mean about feeling Mm -hmm. that connection and, you know, allowing yourself to go there. And everyone definitely understands the test score stress and, you know, what does this mean for my future? And what does this mean about me, both the teacher feeling that way and the kids? And so right now, um, I'm sure Massachusetts has done this, but, you know, we are not doing any end of the year testing, obviously, right now. And so that's just a sigh of relief for many people to just focus on other ways to make sure we're learning and growing, but also just becoming better people. Exactly. And for kids to believe in themselves and, you know, I I don't even want the parents to show them those scores, but for families to know that it, it, their kids are capable and can can learn at high levels, they deserve that. And it's all about growth, right? So, okay, you made a two on the end of grade test out of four, but look where you started. You were like four grade levels below, you know, like it's more about mm-hmm. what you've accomplished rather than where you ended. And then it's about where you're going to go. This is now planning for next year. So if, if parents are able to, you know, this is a great job for a leader to be able to present it that way. If parents are able to then lead a conversation with their kids about, wow, look at how far you've come. You're catching up to where you need to be. This is what we're going to do over the summer. Or this is what we're going to do next year. The kids feel encouraged rather than focusing on the score and what that means and what their peers got. It's more of look at what I've achieved. I've come so far. Exactly. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. So before I let you go, I just want to ask you one more question. And that is, how do you reignite your passion and your potential as an educator? I think that you go back to the kids. I feel like I've talked a lot about the leadership side and working with teachers, which is a passion of mine. But there's something about when you walk into any classroom where kids are getting off the bus in the morning and they're excited to see you and they show you work that you know they're very proud of. Um, that is what truly reignites it, the little smiles, especially the little ones that I'm becoming close with. Um, and just going back to like where I've started and thinking about where I've, where I've already gotten to and you know, I I actually just met with my retirement lady last week. Oh gosh. And I still have a a good 35 years to retire. And I'm thinking, all right, that's going to be 35 years as a principal. I have a long way to go. And that excites me too. It ignites my passion that I have so much more to give um, in that time. I love it. Well, thank you so much for spending your time here with us. Can you let us know how to connect with you? I know we've talked a little bit about Twitter, and then we've talked about Instagram. So give us all the details. If we want to ask you questions, pick your brain, or just follow you and see what you got going on, how can we find you? Well, thank you for that. I appreciate you having me on tonight. Uh, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on Twitter as TeachYouHow. It's H-O-W-E a little pun because my last name is how and I'd love for you to join me on either one of those so we can connect and see what you guys are doing that's fabulous too awesome thanks again Lindsay I'm so excited we connected can't wait to continue learning from you and um, everyone else please take the chance to connect and follow her and get inspired it's certainly uh, just a joy to watch all that she does in a day's time but also inspires you to try something new and set goals for yourself and make it happen 
Thank you so much, Gretchen. You're welcome. All right, y'all. Was that not a great conversation with Lindsay? I admire her so much for how she operates. She's a go-getter. She's someone on fire for education. She's my kind of people. And she is really putting students and teachers first in everything that she does. And I love her growth mindset. She just wants to learn everything she can. And she's in the perfect position she can ever be. And the advice she has given on this podcast is monumental from interviewing and how to lead different types of teachers and students and doing what's best for kids and how to advocate for your own learning needs. She is just top notch. So please do not hesitate to reach out to her, ask her whatever questions you have, or just follow her on social so that you can be empowered every day. Lindsay, if you're listening, I so appreciate you, sweet friend. You truly are an elite educator. All right, that's a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Lindsay Howe. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered.